Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Eagles fans, welcome back to another edition of Football 24-7. I'm your guy, Tone DeShields II, and I'm joined by none other, none other than our Philadelphia Eagles insider, John McMullen. Before we get too deep into the content, you guys know exactly what you need to do. Smash that like button. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the YouTube channel, uh, Jacob Sports. Make sure you guys check out John McMullen's articles, his writing. He does a great job covering the Philadelphia Eagles on SI.com. That's sportsillustrated.com, but known as SI.com. And also check him out on jacobsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B Sports. Dot com. Also, make sure you guys lock in on Burge 365. John does an amazing job with his partner in crime, Jordan McDonald, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. Now that we've gotten through the pleasantries, now, now that we've gotten through some house cleaning, John, first and foremost, how are you feeling this evening, sir? 
Uh, feeling well, better than the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, obviously. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you know what's funny? I'm thinking about these Philadelphia Eagles, and we, we've been we've been talking about them nonstop, obviously, and um, it's been it's been not only a demolition on the football field, but it's been a demolition off the football field. Um, the coaching staff has been getting, getting a lot of criticism. The players have been getting a lot of criticism. Harry Roseman uh, has been getting a lot of criticism as of late. And I'm curious to know, you know, what, what's been your assessment, right? Um, I haven't really had the chance to really tap in with you regarding everything. Um, when you look at these past two games, um, getting blown out by the San Francisco 49ers and getting also blown out by the Dallas Cowboys, your NFC East rival, and now the home field advantage, the number one seed is essentially up for grabs at this point, or rather the Philadelphia Eagles have kind of lost pole position. Um, I'm curious to know, <laughs> based off of everything I mentioned here, losing seven, losing a combined 75 to 32 points between those two games. What's been your evaluation of what of what's going on what's going wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, a little more concerned with the San Francisco game than the Dallas game. I, I hmm. thought, you know, going back to the um start of the season, the the preseason when we the, even when the schedule comes out, I you know, I expected the Eagles and Cowboys to split. I expected the Eagles to win here. That happened. I expected Dallas to win there. They always win there, and that happened. So there was also a couple anomalies when it comes to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, both with key drops that they typically don't have, both with key fumbles that they typically don't have. And not that they would have won the game because I don't think they would have, but it would have been a, it would have looked better. Um, so I think people get um, too caught up in the final score and saying, oh, they got blown out for a second consecutive week. That The San Francisco game, they got their you-know-what handed to them. So that's why it's a, a little bit more of a concern to me. I, I don't know if they match up well with San Francisco. In fact, I don't think they match up well with San Francisco. So that, to me, is the bigger concern long-term. Um but yeah, uh, they lost the two really good teams. Um, it's not the end of the world. Uh, still a lot of football left to be played. Still have the best record in the NFL. You would think the Titanic is going down, you know, even our our own channel. You know, people are asking, the Eagles now, Tone, have had the best record or tied for the best record in the NFL for the 33rd consecutive week, the mm -hmm. 33rd consecutive regular season week. And people want the coordinators fired. I mean, that makes people look like lunatics. Really? I mean, contextually, there's 32 teams in this league. Any any 10 and 3 teams talking about firing their coordinators? Any teams with the best record tied with the Eagles thinking about firing their coordinators? What? It's insanity. I mean, in fairness... No, I mean, I, there's I no fairness. I'm going to stop you. There's no fairness. <laughs> there's no fairness. If anybody had an ounce of fairness in their body, they wouldn't bring that up. Can you Touché. criticize people? Touché. Yes. Criticize people all you want. Criticize the offense. Criticize what they haven't done well over the two the last two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Does anybody remember when this team stunk? Anybody? Here's but here's the here's the thing, right? And you know you're really passionate about this, John, and and I and I I, I kind I really want to dig into why, but 
you know, here's the thing for me. Yes, it's only been two weeks. I hear you on that. Um, are people ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater? It seems like that right now. I totally, I totally understand your perspective, but here's my, here's my thought. Yeah, I, I should say it's not everybody. Most people are sane. I'm, I'm kind of people. I'm kind of teetering, right? I have moments where I'm saying, I have moments where I'm not. Oh, you know, don't go, don't go down that route. Hey, listen, if you've been listening don't to be, me for the past couple of days, you you would you would have thought I was insane. But just just follow me here. It's not the fact that they lost these two games, at least for me, right? It's not the fact that they lost because in this six, in this six game stretch, Cowboys, you know, with the Cowboys and Seahawks bookend, right? Um. With these six games, I knew they would lose some games. That was, and you know, them losing to the 49ers or even splitting with the Cowboys is not even my issue. I had them splitting with the Cowboys, and I was kind of teetering between them and the 49ers even before the season started. So I knew those games would kind of be toss ups, right? But it's how they lost, it's how they performed, it's how they looked. It was the body language, it was the, uh, the, 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 the disjointedness of the, of the performances and the, and, and uh, the play calling and um, the guys just look disenchanted, especially in that Dallas game. I mean, um, they just seem like a shell of who they actually are. So for me, I'm looking at it from this perspective. Yeah, if you were you beat the Chiefs, you beat the Dolphins, you beat the Bills, you know, you beat the Cowboys um, earlier in the season. You get a lot of respect for that. Those are high quality victories. But now at this point in the season, we're looking at, you know, we're looking at the Niners as the team to beat. We're looking at the Cowboys and how they're playing, right? And when you have an opportunity to face those two teams in back-to-back weeks, granted a tough granted a tough opportunity that you that you have in front of you, we're comparing you to those teams. And those are the teams that you're going to have to face nine times out of ten in the playoffs. You're going to have to go through those teams to get back to the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. Yet you looked how you looked. That's alarming to me, at least. Am I, am I insane for at least thinking that? No, you can criticize people for individual performances. I just criticize A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Do you expect that to continue? Do you expect A.J. Brown to drop footballs, Devontae Smith to drop footballs, those guys to fumble? Typically not. So are we going to fire them? Of course not. That would be silly. Um, They had a bad game. They had a rare bad performance. In fact, I expect them uh, to be even better because they're coming off a bad performance. um, the San Francisco game, I said, oh, look, that's, that's, that's a bigger concern to me because as I mentioned, I, I don't think they match up very well with the 49ers, but you know, who knows what happens until a potential rematch down the road. If they get to see each other, could be injuries. We got to see how that shakes out. San Francisco wasn't the same team. Uh, when Trent Williams was hurt, when Debo Samuel was hurt, Nobody was calling them for them to fire their coordinators, but they lost three games in a row, um, and they and they, you know, got the ship back in order. Um, the Eagles are going to have an opportunity to get the ship back in order. Um, Dallas has won 15 consecutive games at AT and T Stadium, so it's not like they're only beating the Eagles. Mm. They are the first team in NFL history, the first team in NFL history, to score 30 uh, points or more in seven consecutive home games. So they're not only doing it against the Philadelphia Eagles. That's one of the things I have a big problem with uh, fans in Philadelphia. They don't look at the opponent. They expect, oh, we did it against so-and-so. We should do it against so-and-so. And And Mm. Josh Sweat, I've been using this all week. Josh Sweat sort of re- 
recalibrated the expectations in week two when he was going against a, a backup left tackle and he looked like a defensive player of the year. And I warned people all week up to the San Francisco game. This ain't a Josh Sweat week. This isn't a Josh Sweat week. Agreed. Don't I was expect with you on that. it to be a Josh Sweat week. Similar in Dallas with, with Tyron Smith, Trent Williams, Tyron Smith, both Hall of Fame left tackles. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he struggled a little bit. Well, guess what? Going forward, you don't have to deal with that. Giants have a good left tackle, not a Hall of Fame left tackle, but, you know, when Josh Sweat will get back to looking like Josh Sweat. But also, Josh isn't really getting a fair shake right now. Um, And I look at it like this. Josh has already played more snaps through uh, – 13 games than he has through 16 games last season. I mean, that's alarming right now, and that speaks to the lack of depth on the edge, and that just speaks to this team's inability to get off the field on third down, and that's one of the biggest issues that they're facing right now, and that's why they're not going to be able to beat these you know, the, the, you know, these good teams in the playoffs if they can't get off the field on third down. Well, yeah, I mean, they're terrible on third down, and that's an issue, and that's you know worth talking about. They're 32nd in the league, so I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. There's only 32 teams, so they got to so uh, correct. So let's themselves. get into that, then, John. Let's break that down, then, right? You know, why do you think this team is so bad on third down? Like, is it simply personnel? Is it a combination of personnel and how Sean decides deploying these guys? Um, what's your evaluation as to why this team is this bad on third down? They're arguably the worst team in the NFL on third down. Um, well, they have been the worst team statistically. Um, part of it is, I mean, you know, they've gone through this um, stretch where they played really good teams, so they've sunk to the bottom. Uh, they might move up till you know, 27 or 28 over the next month because they're playing more limited teams, but they're still not a good third down team. Um, it starts with personnel. It always starts with personnel. The back seven isn't very good. As you mentioned, the front has not been good. Um, and that's really the bigger problem because they are good. They're supposed to be good. They need the front to carry the back end. They haven't been able to do that. Um, maybe it's uh, overwork. Um you know, but then you got to go through. They tried to get Nolan Smith involved, and, and you know, they're not successful. So you, you sometimes you have to take a step back to take a step forward. I think one of the Eagles' biggest mistakes this year defensively was not going with Sidney Brown in week one. Now, Agreed. that's all speculation because my whole point is get the startup cost over with. So now you're seeing Nolan Smith. They're ramping up Nolan Smith in game number 13 in week 14. Um, same thing with uh, Kaylee Ringo. Well, they're struggling. Is that a shock to anyone? So what do you want? Do you want um, maybe the Eagles were too late? Not maybe. They were too late. But you're trying to get Nolan Smith ramp, ramped up to sort of take some of the uh, – um, Wearing tear off Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, and now uh, Kaylee Ringo um, in the back end. Sidney Brown had to play a lot because of Reed Blankenship's concussion, but you know they didn't get these guys started early enough. Um, so that's something you can certainly criticize uh, the coaching staff for. Um, now that they need them a little bit. Um, but it's not a fireable offense. I, again, but it is a miscalculation. 
it is a miscalculation. But people don't fire people when they have the best record in the NFL. Of course. Of course. Now, it seems that this, this season has been plagued by a series of miscalculations. You already brought up some when it comes to the startup costs with your rookies, Nolan Smith and um, Sidney Brown. Um, obviously, it would have been really hard to get Kelly Ringo on the field, um, a barring injury. But yeah, Ringo's different because yeah, that, that's it, a different still, situation, obviously. Yeah. But um, the main the main guys, Nolan Smith and Sidney Brown. I was, I mean, you talked about that earlier on. I was in full agreement with you to full agreement with you to get those guys going as soon as possible. Um, but then also again, I mentioned a series of miscalculations. Um, the linebacker position, right? You know, you know you. You decided to let T- you decided to let TJ Edwards walk, and you let Kaiser White walk, which I was okay with relatively. But TJ Edwards, that was the one that rubbed me the wrong way, um, you know, the the, the worst. And um, you thought, or you propped up Nicobe Dean as if he was going to be this savior at middle linebacker, and lo and behold, he's been on the IR. Um, will, it will be eight weeks. He's been on the IR two two separate occasions, and um, he's been essentially a liability when on the field. And then on top of that. You obviously weren't able to bring back CJ GJ for obvious reasons. Um, Reed Blankenship stepped up. He's, I think, the highest grade uh, uh, D back in, on the team right now. And then, according to PFF, and then you trade for Kevin Byard, who's who really hasn't been able to give you um, t- a top tier performance um, as of late. And then, you know, you're, it seems like you're lacking depth at corner, especially at that nickel spot, losing Avante Maddox and Zach McPherson. No one could anticipate that, but. Still, it just seems like this season has been plagued by a series of miscalculations, especially on High Roseman's part. Well, I'm, I'm not. I, I mean, I'm, I'm torn when people like I. You, you seem to have two groups in Philadelphia: the group that thinks Howie Roseman has never made a mistake in his life, and, mm. and the group that now wants to throw him under the bus and say uh, he's got a bad roster when they have, you know certainly a top five roster. Maybe it's not top one like everybody thought, but certainly top five. Well, we knew the defense had deficiencies. I think that's something we all, well, at least I'm speaking for myself, I knew this defense had deficiencies coming in and they would be the weaker side of the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Well, because the offense had everybody back and they're trying to replace five different starters. I think everybody's uh, happy with Jalen Carter for the most part. Now, you know, he's maybe he's hit that rookie wall a little bit. Um, This is typically when college players are done, except for the bowl game. And um, in the case of Georgia, the football playoff, the college football playoff, but uh, you know, he's playing a lot at Jordan Davis is playing more snaps uh, than he ever has in his life. So I think they're a little bit worn down. Um, Certainly the secondary, look, they build the team the way they build the team and, and, they did they miscalculate a little bit on Nicobe Dean? Yeah, probably. Um, we brought up the concerns all the time. You know, he's undersized. There were concerns about, you know, potential uh, um, injuries and ability to play major snaps at, at his size. And ironically, it was the shoulder, but it turned out to be the feet. Um, evidently he's got a chronic issue there. So maybe they miscalculated a little bit with Nicobe. I think that's fair. Um, you know, CJ, G, James Bryan, another thing we talked about last year with, with 
the defense, which was number two in the NFL, number one pass defense. How many how many players had career years last year? A ton. And okay. nine times out of ten, um, it's hard it's hard to replicate those sort of performances. I exactly. mean, Bradbury, all second team all pro. And, and you know, Harry Roseman bringing him back, the decision at the time, I think no one had a problem with it, right? And the hindsight no. is 2020. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback with, with James Bradbury's game right now. Um, you know, he hasn't had the best season at all. Again, you brought him back, you know, under you know, under the proper pretenses, he came off of a all pro season. So yeah. it, it, that decision made sense at the time. Yeah, I had no problem with it. I don't think anybody had any problem. And anyone who did or says they did is probably playing revisionist history off the year he came. But I mentioned, you know, I mentioned that all the time. Career years are generally not repeated. They're career years for a reason. Um, and you've seen that um, um, with the Eagles as well. Um, we mentioned the safety position. Would have been nice to have CJ back as a playmaker. You lose that playmaking aspect uh, on the back end. But remember, he got hurt in Detroit. You never know what happens if he stays here. Everything changes, the butterfly effect. But he missed five games last year, so he's got some durability issues as well. Mm. Um you know, Reed, I think, has been fine. Um, I Again, I would have went with Sidney Brown day one, day one. And I look at the Kansas City Chiefs last year, and the Kansas City Chiefs played three rookie defensive backs, and they went through it during the season. They had some ugly moments. They got better. They got better, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl with three young players getting their startup costs out of the way. I don't know what Sidney Brown would have been. You probably would have had some hiccups. You probably wouldn't have been 10 and one, but maybe you would be better off right now mm. when you add speed and athleticism, because that's what they're lacking on the, on, in the secondary. Okay. Um, and you see the burst every once in a while you see the athleticism. Sidney's a guy who ran a four, four seven. He got clocked over 22 miles per hour on the GPS when he was at Illinois. He's tremendously athletic, and just bringing that that aspect to the Eagles' back end, I think, would have helped. And there's a domino effect there. If he starts to develop, if he starts to play well, you don't have to trade for Kevin Byer. Maybe you go in a different direction. Maybe you add something else. Could be a whole host of things, but to have that player and that athleticism and add him to that defense, they should. I I think they should have gone in that direction. Okay, um, so 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 let's hang out there for let's hang out there for a second. Why do you think they have an aversion to playing these young guys early in the season when the stakes are at its lowest? I mean, now 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 you have a need for these guys that you know to, to be on the field, especially with Reed with the concussions and um the lack of depth on the edge, and you you want Noel Smith getting more snaps. Why why avert playing those guys then, and all of a sudden think you're you expect them to make a contribution now? Uh, because they, they're a Super Bowl contender and they wanted to rely on experience and they didn't want mistakes. And, you know, there it, it's a, I'll, I'll admit it's a, it's a difficult balancing act. I mean, so it's fear based. I don't think it's fear based. I think you make that decision. If you're a bad team, you have no, it's, it's easy to do it. If you're a bad team, throw the rookie out there, throw him in the deep end of the pool. It's easy. You don't have to worry about it. Eagles are trying to win games. Eagles are trying to get that number one seed. So 
it's a difficult balancing act. You have okay. to play Jalen Carter because Jalen Carter's absurdly talented. Um, Nolan Smith, and and as you go down, Tyler Steen, um, um, Cindy Brown, you know, they have talent. If you develop them the right way, they could turn into tremendous NFL players, but you have to develop them. And it's easy. Again, it's easy for bad teams to play young players. It's not as easy for veteran laden teams who want to win each and every week. You, you don't like mistakes. And he probably would have committed some mistakes. What, but, you know, if you think about the safety position, though, as the example, Kayvon Wallace go all the way back to training camp and Terrell Evans, they aren't even here anymore. Justin Evans, who you start in week one, is injured. He had an injury uh, plague resume. Magically gets injured twice. Now he's out for the season. And you're left, because those guys couldn't do it, you're left having to go out to get Kevin Byard. And maybe, no guarantee, maybe if week one you threw him out there and, again, you probably have some mistakes. Maybe you persevere on a particular week. Maybe you're maybe you're eight and three instead of ten and one, but maybe you're better positioned in the in the back end to do what the Chiefs did. It's just speculation. It's just a theory. But watching that defense play, that's what sticks out to me on the back seven. Other than Slay, who can still run at his age 32 uh pretty amazing player and he shouldn't be grouped in with the rest of them um they need speed and they need athleticism and that's the one guy on the roster where it really just stands out now ringo's the same way but ringo's you know not even close to be ready and you're not going to bench james bradbury at this point anyway yeah, let's transition to the uh, offensive side of the ball. You know, we um, we kind of, you know, we dug deep with this defense. I want to say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I really pick your brand about this offense. I think uh, that side of the ball is getting uh, its fair share of criticism as well, but for different reasons, not necessarily for talent. But I think the issues come in with um, people's overall opinion of the overall direction um, that the event, uh, that the offense is just trending to. And I'm curious <clears throat> to know over the past, let's you know, let's let's just let's just you know stay with the past two games. What's been your overall evaluation of the offensive approach? Um, over the past two weeks, and then we'll be able to iron it out from there. Um, the offensive approach is the same as it always is. So I don't hmm. know if you had if you didn't have a problem with it for thirty one weeks, you shouldn't have a problem with it for two weeks. Um, it's the same offense. It's the same approach. Maybe that's part of the problem. I don't. I don't see enough evolution uh, with the offense. Would be my. Uh, biggest criticism okay but i i think the criticism 
And again, people want to blame the coaches, which is fine. I, you know, they don't want to blame the star players. Like, you know, first of all, for those who want to fire Brian Johnson, this is Nick Sirianni's offense. And I, I don't know. I feel like I scream that every week and people ignore it or whatever. So if you want to fire somebody, fire the head coach. Um, because he's the one making the game plan. He's the one directing. You're essentially giving Brian Johnson a, a menu of options on game day. And those options are all delivered by and approved by Nick Sirianni. So that's number one. Um, number two, and I say this all the time, nobody judged play calls. Nobody. Whether you know it or not, you're judging play results. You're not judging play calls. You have no idea what they're trying to accomplish. Zero. None. Zip. Um, so that's number two. Um, as far as, as the offense, it starts with the quarterback not getting the football out on time. Nobody wants to blame the quarterback for anything. Well, guess what? He's a human being. Uh, his his average time to throw is below where it was in 2021. So if you go back to 2021, where Jalen was good but not great, and people were still questioning, is he the long-term answer? He was last in the NFL among starters in, in time to get rid of the football. Now, anytime you have a mobility-based quarterback, whether it's Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, whoever, guys who can extend plays, they're never going to be at the top of that list um, where the football just comes out, bang, on time all but you, the time. But you don't want to be at the bottom either. No. And in 2022, when he took off and became an MVP candidate, he was 14th slowest. So basically middle of the road. He's got to get back to that. Right now, He's second slowest, but he's worse than he was in 2021. So let's stay there. Why? Again, you 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 go to these games for the most part. You see this up close and personal. What are you seeing that's happening differently for Jalen Hurts? Um, is is he not processing the game as quickly as he was last season? Is he not trusting what he sees? There is a hesitation with him. And when you, and, and yeah, when he's you not as he's not as decisive, and you you have, and you saw it early in the season. Was most I think people saw it really clearly, because you had bang, 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 and they won all the games, so people kind of overlooked at it. But you had New England, you had Minnesota with Brian Flores, you had uh, um, Tampa, Tampa with Todd yes. Bowles, three really. Um, inventive defensive coordinators who are going to change and going to morph and going to do a bunch of different things. And they attack the Eagles a lot differently than people did the year prior. And it slowed down a little bit because not everybody's as good as those guys. Um, but you see that evolution from the other side. I don't think you've seen it from the offensive side. And again, that starts with, uh, with Nick. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I'm curious, right? You see, we see it, right? Jalen Hurts is struggling to get the ball out uh, on time. Um, it seems to me like he's he's lacking rhythm. He's lacking instinct. Um, he's, he's he's lacking uh, decision. He's not trusting what he sees. Um, okay. No, now, why do you think that is, though, John? Is he not trusting what's being called out there? What do you think it is? I think it's um, 
a reaction to how defenses have changed uh, playing. So he's not seeing the same stuff as he saw last year. Um, and that creates um, a little bit of uncertainty. And it, you know, we're talking about a little tick. Now, again, people brought up in the San Francisco game, um, you know, a lot of people, and this drives me crazy with film people. And, you know, if you got Baldy or somebody like that who knows and played the game and knows what he's watching, it's a little bit better. Um, you got to trust, you know, if it's somebody who's a coach or something like that, um, you got to be able to trust uh, who's breaking down film. Um, in the case of, um, there was a there was a play you probably saw where Jack Stoll got open pretty early, and people are saying you got to get the ball out to Jack Stoll. And as Nick pointed out, it's not the progression. It's not the progression. You know, you the quarterbacks are not owls. You know, they have a progression. That doesn't mean they can see the guy wide open on the other side of the field. Defenses, by the way, are savvy enough at least some of them, to understand where the progression is for the quarterback as well. So you could lighten up a little bit on the backside, especially when you have quarterbacks that aren't Peyton Manning who aren't going to go from progression one, two, three, and you might even get to four or five on occasion. Um, you know, so again, you have to know what you're seeing and you have to know what the offense is trying to accomplish. And that's why, it drives me crazy when, and I say it all the time. I had this discussion with Doug Peterson. There's a lot of times where a play caller will get bailed out by a player. You mm. see it all the time with Jalen Hurts. Um, most recently, you go back to the Alameda Zacchaeus play. That's all Jalen Hurts. Extending play, finding the receiver down the field. Everybody's happy. I don't think anyone's going to say that's a great play call. It's completely sandlot football um, where, you know, the quarterback is basically lifting the offense on his shoulders. On the other hand, you know, Doug would say, you know, sometimes you have the perfect thing dialed up. Sometimes you have the perfect play call dialed up for the, for the defense, defensive look and the left guard misses a block. And and nobody knows. Nobody knows you had him. Nobody knows. All they see is a shitty play, and they go, that's a bad play call. They're not judging play calls. They're judging play results. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's so interesting, you know, um, talking to you, John. You always tend to ground me whenever I'm um, ready to jump off the ledge. Because you, you, you look at the game rather uh, rationally and objectively, um, and – it allows you to it allows you to process the game fairly. Um, you said something interesting also earlier, the fact that, you know, with Jalen Hurts, um, he's seeing different things. He's seeing things that he hasn't really seen before. Um, is it fair to say we're literally experiencing the maturation process of Jalen Hurts? Because, again, this is only his third year as a full time starter. Um, he just got the new contract. Is it fair to say that? Um, th th this is pretty much what we're what we're witnessing right now. We're witnessing growing pains um, with the young quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think people forget. You know, Chandler's twenty five years old. He just turned twenty five. As you mentioned, this is his third year as a starter. You know, 
he's going to continue to learn and, and see different things and evolve hopefully for the next decade or so um, and keep getting better and better and better. Um, and, and, you know, again, the results are the results. I, I understand, wow. you know, the expectations are so out of whack in Philadelphia because you start back-to-back seasons 10 and 1. And now they're ten and three, and the sky is falling. I, you know, I you, mean, you know, you know. Another thing that's interesting as well, you know, because um, Eagles fans are are so enamored with Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts' story and his journey, and um, you know, he's a, he's a charismatic guy. Um, you know, he's easy to root for. All those things, um, and obviously, he's the Eagles quarterback. He's the franchise quarterback. You know, people want to root for him, and, and and they don't want to really see any raw any anything wrong or anything wrong or any flaws in his game. You know, if we're really looking at this objectively, Jalen Hurts entered the NFL with plenty of deficiencies, and um, it's a reason why he wasn't a first round pick. And um, he, you know, he came he came into the NFL with plenty of things to work on, and I think that jump from year two to year three in the NFL. Um, sort of gave people the wrong impression of where he actually was in his development. You know, now that I really think about it, because he was he, he was decent in his first year starting, and then he was just spectacular in his, in his second year starting, taking the team to the Super Bowl, I think people are sort of forgetting that he still has a lot to clean up um, just as a quarterback. And I think he's still – and, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, I think he's still a rather – raw product despite being the franchise quarterback despite you know making the <laughs> making the leaps that he has made um do you think people are judging his development his maturation process fairly do you think they're expecting a little bit too much of him too soon um it depends what you're you know it always depends on the person judging i mean if you want him to be a, a west coast offense quarterback um yeah he's raw you know, but the Eagles don't play that style of offense. So one of the things you should uh, laud the Eagles coaching staff after that two and five start in 2021, they sort of stripped it down and, and rebuilt the offense around Jalen Hurts and his skill set. Um, so I think in this particular offense, he does uh, a very good job, typically. Not as much over the past two weeks, but um, so – you know, one of the biggest criticisms, um, <clears throat> I use Josh Dobbs because he had that great first two weeks when he came up, you know, get straight and everybody's like, wow, how can he do this? Um, he's got one day of practice and he doesn't, uh, and he goes out and he wins a football game. And he got progressively worse as more practice he got because <laughs> – they just put him in Kirk Cousins' offense, and he can't do that. So he showed up, and he said, I don't know the offense, so he just used his athleticism. That actually worked to his advantage, right, not and, knowing and, the offense? And, yeah, and make some plays and win in a football game. And then they didn't change the offense for him. You know, they should have built a, an RPO-based offense to take advantage of what he does well. They have him under center, dropping back, playing play action like he's Kirk Cousins, and he looks like an abject disaster. It's not his fault. It's the coaching staff's fault. So I think, 
you know, the Eagles built the offense around Jalen Hurts. They do certain things. Well, they do certain things. Well, you know, people constantly talk about you got to get it to the backs. You got to get it to the backs. No, you don't. No, you don't, because that's not what he does well. That's not what he wants to do. He's not a dump off quarterback. You, 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 he makes plays on his own. He extends plays. He's more comfortable doing that. The Eagles take advantage of what they do. Now, last week they got, and and by the way, I saw somebody with the Jack Stoll play. They're still on the Jack Stoll play. Think, think, think. They threw the ball to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard last week. Nick Sirianni said today, and he said it 157 times, the offense goes through those three guys. The progression goes through those three guys at all times. Do you really think Jack Stoll is the first on a progression? Jack Stoll? Jack Stoll? I go back to Doug Peterson, who got criticized when Matt Collins um, was starting as receiver, and he went through three full football games without getting a target, never mind a reception. And Doug was uh, asked, why is Matt Collins not getting the ball? And he said, he's the sixth freaking option. You should rip me to high hell if I'm drawing up plays for Matt Collins. I, 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 Jack Stoll ain't the first option. I don't care what it looks like to you. Jack Stoll is not the first option on any Philadelphia Eagles passing play. Nothing against Jack. He's a good guy. But yeah, it just I like, doesn't work that I, I, like, I like Jack. I, I'm, I'm a Jack Stoll guy. Um. You know, it's uh, it's funny. We talk about this Eagles offense and his coaching staff, um, you know, developing an offense around Jalen Hurts and um, trying to maximize his abilities. Um, do you believe this season, comparing to the previous season, um, do you believe this coaching staff has done um, the, the best job they possibly could this season um, and maximizing Jalen Hurts' abilities in comparison to last season. When you look at both seasons and you know in a mirror image, do you think they've done as, as good a job of maximizing his abilities? Um, have they declined in that regard? Or are they trying to get him to do different things in response to what he's seen? How do you how do you answer well, that? Well, the offense has declined a little bit, but the offense is still pretty good from a from a number standpoint. Um, over the whole season. Obviously, they didn't play well this week. But again, you know, it's okay to criticize A.J. Should have caught that ball. Mm -hmm. It's okay to criticize Devontae. They'll be the first to say, should have caught that ball. Absolutely. Shouldn't have fumbled. They typically don't. They typically catch those passes. They typically don't fumble. Um, It's okay. They had a bad game. You know, I, I realize people don't want to criticize the players they like. And it's very nebula, nebulous standard because see Slay and Bradbury. At one point, they were above reproach, and now some knuckleheads at the complex with trash cans uh, insulting them. <laughs> but so it's a very nebulous oh. standard. But there are right. certain guys, Jalen, they don't want to criticize. AJ, certainly Devontae, you know, even DeAndre Swift, they don't want to criticize. There's certain guys they don't want to criticize, which is fine. I get it. And, and they want to crap on the coaches. What I will say is, yeah, I mean, 
and it happens with every coaching staff on a successful team. Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator for a reason. Um, Jonathan Gannon was the defensive coordinator for a reason. Once you start replacing guys, it's like a Xerox copy. I always compare it to, you know, second generation probably isn't going to be quite as sharp as the first generation, at least right away. And maybe they can develop from there. You saw it with Doug Peterson as well. Um, you see it all over. When guys start, you saw it with Andy Reid. Andy Reid's first coaching staff might be the best coaching staff of all time. As he started to lose those guys, at least of the modern era, um, as he started to lose those guys, it became more difficult to replace them. It's what happens. Final question, John, um, in correlation to what you just mentioned. Um, especially with this Eagles coaching staff as it's personally constructed, um, Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, Sean Desai. Do you think what we're witnessing with this coaching staff is, uh, specifically the coordinators, do you, do you think what we're witnessing is essentially the startup cost? Because you mentioned, right, you know, um, the the carbon copy or uh, the Xerox copy of what Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon provided. We're, you know, we're trying to uh, see, we're seeing that from, um, Brian Johnson and Sean Desai, do you think what the inconsistencies of what we're witnessing is essentially startup costs? Um, I, I I think more so with Sean um, than Brian because I, as I said, this is Nick Sirianni's offense, so mm -hmm. um, it it didn't change, um, and and he's he's got the the his fingerprints all over that thing. So the defense. Um, a little bit now they didn't change the scheme um and technically they have you know somebody who learned under big bangio directly versus somebody who was just doing it because the head coach wanted him to do it that way um i'm not a big fan of the scheme as you know i think right. too many people play it i think people are catching up to it i think that's an issue um, but the bigger issues on defense are, are the personnel and, and mainly on the back end, you know, it's, it's the personnel is not as good as we thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and it'll get a little bit better in the final four weeks because again, the, the competition is going down. And then as you get to the playoffs, we'll see, you know, when they get, to play the Cowboys and or the 49ers or maybe both um, depending on how things shake out because those are the two teams you're dealing with. Um, those are the two teams that are con concerned. And I, I think the Cowboys, as I said, it's as simple as where's the game. If it's here, the Eagles are going to win. If it's there, the Cowboys are going to win. Uh, the 49ers to me is the bigger, the bigger issue. Okay, if I, could, if I could sneak one more question on you, John. Um, you mentioned earlier in the show you thought there would be a little bit more evolution with this um, this offense from at least from 2021 up until now, um, and we haven't really seen that. What, what, what did you expect in terms of the evolution of this offense and what they're trying to accomplish with Jalen Hurts? Well, you want to add things to it. You want to keep evolving. And, and Nick said it again today when he was talking about, you know, that the talk this week was, again, 
only three players got targets in Dallas, AJ, Devontae, Dallas. And he and it was pretty steadfast for people that didn't hear him. So I'll pull it up. Our passing game runs through three guys. That doesn't mean we don't want to get the ball to some other guys here and there, but the main passing game goes through those guys. The Cowboys and the style of defense, blah, 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 allowed us to get the ball to those guys. And that's where the football is always designed to go, um, which is true and understandable to say those are three really good players. But you do need, if you if you see any NFL game, You'll see seven or eight, tar- you know, targets, uh, players. Um, you you got to throw curveballs every now and again, um, whether it's the screen game, whether it's the bubble screen game that they love but aren't successful at. Or throw um, Jack Stoll. <laughs> um, not so much Jack, but uh, maybe, you know, Quez or, or Julio. Or, I don't know if Julio has anything left. Um um, something, you know, um, blitz beaters, I got a big problem with, they don't, they don't have that. They don't have answers. You'll see, you know, again, teams with say Brock Purdy, you saw it a couple of weeks ago, Eagles were blitzing a lot in that game, 37%. They got gashed 10 of 11, um, three touchdowns, basically, you know, Blitz beater. If you blitz here, you throw it right it right behind the blitz to the open area. Uh, bang bang, um, hot read. They don't have that. They don't utilize that. Um, they just kind of adjust with the bubble screen. They can't run a rub route. It's three years, and Nick Sirianni's expertise is the wide receiver position, and they can't run a damn run uh, rub route. And they got some of the best receivers in the world, and they're running into people and getting OPIs again. We're three years into that nonsense. That's got to get cleaned up. And everybody complains, well, C.D. Lamb did a pirouette. Yeah, he didn't hit the guy. So it's not a penalty. Right. A.J. hit a guy. That's why it's a penalty. Devontae hits guys. That's why it's a penalty. You got to know how to do this stuff and attention to detail. So – there's plenty of things to criticize the coaching staff for. Um, again, when you have the record of Nick Sirianni, though, you don't talk about firing people. That's insane. Hey, there you have it, Eagles fans. John, the voice of reason uh, in the Philadelphia Eagles stratosphere. Uh, make sure you guys smash that like button. And also make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Look, the fact of the matter is the Philadelphia Eagles have a lot of things to clean up. Uh, in lieu of the Seahawks matchup, uh, John and I are going to be back later on in the week uh, to break that down with you guys um, on Football 24-7. We appreciate you guys also for locking in for as long as you guys have. Uh, we have nearly 200 people in this live stream. And we really appreciate you guys for making this show what it is. So make sure you guys smash that like button, continue to comment, continue to stay subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. He's John McMullen, our Philadelphia Eagles insider. I'm your guy, Tony. The show's the second. You guys are locked in on Football 24-7, and we'll see you next time. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 
or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest in